On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily. The Blanchardstown shooting on Christmas Eve in a packed restaurant resulted in the killing of two men Tristan Sherry, the shooter, and Jason Hennessy Sr. Heading overseas, Ireland is in shock after a brazen murder was carried out in a family restaurant in Dublin on Christmas Eve. This week, Jason Hennessy Sr.'s funeral will take place with a heightened guard the presence as fears of retaliation continue. Today on the Indo Daily, we take a look at the ongoing investigation into both deaths as well as how the ever growing Cordo feud came to be. You have another gang in Blanchestown who I suppose would have been linked to former associates of the Westies gang who were obviously fairly prolific in the 90s and early 2000s in Dublin. So you have this sort of melting pot of different criminal gangs involved. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and I'm joined by Robin Schiller, senior journalist with the Irish Independent, to discuss the latest developments in the Christmas Eve shooting incident and how the Gardaí prepare for a gangland funeral. Robin, it's been just under two weeks since we saw those shocking scenes in Brown Steakhouse in Blanchardstown. A lot has happened since. Can you give us an update on what's gone on? Yeah, so obviously on Christmas Eve, you had a shooting incident at the steakhouse. Um, a 26-year-old man we now know was Tristan Sherry, walked in with an accomplice and discharged a number of shots while it was a fairly packed restaurant. You know, there was there was families there with the children on Christmas Eve. There was also a group of men he was targeting, a large group of men. And since then, we've had this large guard investigation trying to, I suppose, identify not just who was involved in that shooting along with Tristan Sherry, but also who was involved in the attack on Tristan Sherry. He was dealing with a submachine gun. He discharged a number of shots at an individual, a 48-year-old man, and then was himself uh, confronted, disarmed and died. A man in his 20s died and another man remains in a serious condition after the shooting at a popular steakhouse just after 8pm local time. Ireland's Prime Minister condemned the killing, saying it was disgusting families with children had to witness such violence. Police are investigating if the dead man was a participant in the initial attack. 
And I suppose in the initial stage of that guard investigation, detectives really have been trying to identify who was involved in that attack on Tristan Sherry. And they've, there's obviously good quality CCTV in that Brown Steakhouse. And as a result, they have made a number of arrests in recent weeks. Three people have been arrested and all of those people have since been charged with different degrees of offences and have appeared before the courts. Is that all relating to Tristan Sherry's murder? Those charges? Yeah, those charges specifically relate to that. So uh, initially, a few days after the, the shooting and the attack on Tristan Sherry, we had a 22-year-old man arrested on suspicion of murder. Now, he has since appeared before Blanchetown District Court. Uh, his name is Michael Ander Cut. He's a 22-year-old man from Corduff. He's charged with murder. Then subsequently, in recent days, we've had uh, another two people arrested. One of them is 18-year-old David Alma from Donabate. Sergeant Emma Ryan told the court David Ama was charged in Finglas Garda Station just after 6pm yesterday. Mr Ama, who turned 18 on New Year's Eve, made no reply. He's also been charged with murder. Um, and then we also had a 25-year-old man called Wayne Deegan, who was originally from Dum 15. He's also been arrested and charged, but not with murder. Mr Deegan, with an address at Lennetsfield Avenue, Fibblestown in Dublin 15, was charged with assault causing harm to Tristan Sherry, violent disorder and producing a knife. The court heard when charged late last night, he made no reply. Because in relation to the murder charges, he can't apply for bail at the district court, has been on the high court. Those two men, and I understand Wayne Deegan as well, have spent the last number of days in custody. But there is a second murder investigation now underway, is that right? Yes, yeah, so obviously in that gun attack by Tristan Sherry and his accomplices, a 48-year-old man was injured. He is Jason Hennessy Sr., originally from Sheep Hill Avenue in Cordoff. Now initially, I suppose he was struck, he was severely injured and brought to James Connolly Hospital. And in the initial stages, the prognosis was quite positive for him. There was you know, suggestions that he would survive, albeit seriously injured. In recent days, in the past week or so, he was transferred to the Matter Hospital um, in Dublin City Centre. And unfortunately, in recent days, he also succumbed to his injuries. And Guardian are now carrying out, I suppose, a separate but obviously linked murder investigation to that into the death of Tristan Cherry. And it is Jason Hennessy Sr.'s funeral that is set to take place now. But what do we know about him? Well, Jason Hennessy Sr. is a 48-year-old man, uh, originally from Blanchestown, who was living in Sheeple Avenue in uh, the Cordoff area. Because he wouldn't have been overly involved in organised crime in his younger years, which is rare for somebody who since became involved in gangland activity. He would have been uh, an accomplished boxer in his youth. He would have been well-known in the local area, albeit not for for violent or organised crime. But unfortunately for him, in the past five or five or eight years, very close associates of his have become involved in organised criminality in the Cordoff area that resulted in him I suppose maybe not being directly or heavily involved in certain violent incidents but certainly being connected to main players in uh, criminality at the local level which resulted in him being a target on Christmas Eve. This incident for many people might have seemed like it came out of nowhere but did, did it really? What were the events that would have led up to this? Well, this stretches back a number of years. Um, it's, it's hard to put a finger on exactly the gangs involved because gangland and organised crime in Dublin is so fluid. But essentially you have one gang in Cordoff who Jason Hennessy would have been allowed to, Jason Hennessy Sr. You have another gang in Blanchestown who I suppose would have been linked to former associates of the Westies gang who were obviously fairly prolific in the 90s and early 2000s in Dublin. They, that Westies Alliance gang have been receiving support from a fingless organised crime gang led by a, a drug dealer we call Mr Flashy for legal reasons. So you have this sort of melting pot of different criminal gangs involved. And you know it would have been fairly dormant in recent years. In 2018-19, you would have had a number of high-profile attacks, petrol bombings, assaults. There was a man seriously stabbed in the guard station. There was one shooting outside a school. 
it is a school I know well. Uh, I know people who went there, uh, and uh, I know it must have been um, a very frightening uh, occurrence for the pupils attending there. Uh, thankfully, Gardaí locally seemed to have got a handle on it, but in recent events, that's festered again, which unfortunately led to that gun attack on Christmas Eve. And Tristan Cherry was described previously as being terrorised by a rival gang in the months leading up to the event on Christmas Eve. Yeah, so Tristan Cherry, he wouldn't have been, I suppose, at the, the top level of organised crime in Dublin, but he certainly would have been linked to criminals and that Mr. Flashy gang we spoke about. You know, Guard Intelligence would have listed him as a low to mid-level associate of that gang, a cohort of about a dozen or 14 people who were operating for him locally in Finglas. But unfortunately for him, yeah, that association led him to be involved in that gun attack. He was previously attacked in the middle of last year. He was the victim of a stabbing attack. And he was also suspected of a previous gun attack in around 2019. An associate of Jason Hennessy Sr. was shot on the main street in Blanche coming out of a tanning salon. And Tristan Sherry was also suspected of involvement in that. So for certainly that Christmas Eve gun attack wasn't his first involvement, either being a suspect or being the victim of an attack linked to organised crime in the Dublin 15 area. And when we look at when this goes to the courts, Tristan Sherry's murder investigation. Do you think the DPP will have a difficult time on their hands? Is there anything that would suggest there will be self-defence claims? It'll certainly be an interesting case. Obviously, the Director of Public Prosecutions has said there is sufficient evidence for uh, a murder charge to be directed in two of these uh, suspects. But if you look at the facts of the case that will be argued in the courts, you know, you had two men, one of them being Tristan Sherry, walking into a packed restaurant on Christmas Eve with loaded firearms. Tristan Sherry discharged a number of shots from a shot machine gun. He struck a man, Jason Hennessy Sr., who's ultimately died as a result of that shooting. Sherry himself then was confronted, disarmed. He was subjected to around 30 stab wounds. He was beaten. He was over the head with a chair. And the, the latter stages of his death were also videoed by you know, people present for that. So those are all... This would play a part in the prosecution. You mentioned the videos there, which was another shocking element to this because there was so many. It was the the fact that it was Christmas Eve, which is traditionally a very peaceful, happy time. You spend time with your family. Blanchardstown was busy. There was a carol service about to take place in the church just around the corner from the restaurant. But then, like you said, there was video as well that went all over social media. So again, it gained even more traction. Yeah, it made international headlines, as I said there, because it happened on Christmas Eve. There's no real kind of rule book for organised crime and gang activity, but if there's two days of the year you're least likely to have a shooting or a murder, it would be it would be Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And, you know, all these different moving parts, the fact that it was in a busy restaurant, the fact that the gunman, a suspect, was himself killed, uh, heightened it to, uh, I suppose, this prolific crime that made international headlines. And obviously, as I said there, the, the fact that the crime itself was video recorded, uploaded on the social media um, and a fairly graphic video as well. Uh, it was only a short clip, but it certainly showed uh, Tristan Sherry on the ground uh, fatally injured or at least seriously injured. And what about the reactions from politicians, Helen McEntee, of Radker? What did they say? Well, they came out on Christmas Eve that Justice Minister Helen McEntee condemned it, as did Leo Varadkar. I think Mr Varadkar himself said that he, being a local representative for the area, he himself has eaten in that steakhouse, Brown Steakhouse, and was shocked by what happened. So just condemnation all around, really, you know, from both sides. Tristan Sherry himself was a father of one, and, you know, people who weren't out socialising would have, if their parents would have been home with their own children that evening, he decided, unfortunately, that he was going to go into a restaurant at 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve and a large number of shots. 
Robin, there are obvious worries about this escalating further. Do you think that there could be more retaliations? Is that what Gardaí are concerned will happen? I think there's no doubt it will escalate. Um, I don't think, thankfully, we'll ever see anything the likes of the Hutchkinen feud, which was the result or partially the result of the Regency attack, where I think a total of 18 people who were killed as a result of that feud. But I think Gardaí are no doubt that there will be reprisals for what happened more so probably on the the Jason Ennis' senior side and his standing within that criminal group and you know his associates will be looking for revenge for what happened. Threats have been made online and money has been offered by people from one side for information on their rivals on the other. And Gardaí are very concerned that this could now escalate into further violence with serious repercussions. The other gunman there who fled the scene, the getaway driver, People who ultimately ordered that murder of Jason Ennis Sr., they will all have targets on their back and I don't think Gardaí are in any doubt that there will be reprisals, unfortunately, as a result of what happened on Christmas Eve. Do you think the Gardaí are more prepared this time around than maybe they would have been in 2016? They definitely are and I think they've, if not officially, they've quietly admitted themselves that in 2016, when we had you know five men somewhere and with Kalashnikov assault rivals running around a busy hotel in Dublin city centre... And not a guard in sight, despite serious criminals gathering at a boxing event there. Daniel Kinn himself was there. I think Gardy accepted that it was an intelligence failure at the very least, that they weren't prepared for that attack. And, you know, the onslaught that happened after where you had multiple people killed within a few weeks, not just people involved in crime, but also people who were just simply associates or family members of those involved. That was a real watershed moment in Irish criminal history and for the better, unfortunately, it took for that for it to happen. But Gardaí were given more resources, given adequate support and I think really those local units as well, but national units, the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau in particular, got on top of these gangs, assisted by intelligence from the crime security section. And really, um, I think in excess of 70 people linked to the Killing Gang alone have been jailed in the past six or seven years. So it shows that with the resource and with the, the manpower, what they can do. And thankfully, I think they're better equipped now more than ever to deal with these gangs. And that's been shown in you know the recent years. There's only been two murders gang-related this year, the lowest in, I think, about 20 or 30 years, which is a positive outcome. Obviously, two is still too many, but it shows the, the improvements Gary have made in tackling serious organised crime in Dublin and across Ireland. And only the first gangland shooting of 2023. It happened in November. It was the killing of Brandon Ledwidge in Finglas. Is there any suggestion whether that incident and the incident on Christmas Eve are linked? No, at this stage, there's no suggestion they're in any way linked. I know geographically, they're in close proximity to one another. They're in this, I suppose, K district that polices Blanchardstown, Finglas and Cabergarda Station. Um, and obviously, the Finglas link to the suspects for Jason Hennessy Senior's murder. Uh, it's obviously in close proximity to where Bramall Ledwidge was shot, but they seem to be completely different. Uh, murders linked to different criminal groups. Ledwidge was a 23-year-old man, himself was heavily involved in gang activity at a local level and the feeling is that he uh, was stepping a few toes trying to climb up that ladder and make a name for himself, which unfortunately led to his demise, but that at this stage anyway, Gardy don't think there's anything between the murder of Brandon Ledwidge and the attack at Brown Steakhouse on Christmas Eve. When we compared the Regency shooting and the shooting at Brown Steakhouse, both were really public, very shocking, uh, garnered loads of public attention. Do you think that the attack on Christmas Eve was designed to send a message? 
it's hard to say what these these people have in their minds when they, you know, probably taking a certain amount of drugs, coke up their head, walk into a busy steakhouse and start letting off shots. I don't think they think that deep into it. Whereas with the Regency, maybe the fact that, you know, you had gunmen going around in guard uniform, that he had hit team dress as a woman and her partner, the, the plan that went into it was on a different level. And it shows, you know, the, the Hutchkinen feud is obviously a, an international uh, crime feud involving international crime gangs, whereas this is very much a local, localised feud, albeit backed by more serious players. Robin, gang-related funerals, they can often cause a lot of logistical headaches for Gardaí. You've covered them before. Definitely, they're they're usually covered by the media because of what takes place there. What type of heightened presence can we expect at Jason Hennessy Sr.'s funeral now? Well, there will be a significant guard operation in place for that, given what's happened, given the fears of reprisal attacks. While unlikely to happen, I think Gardaí would be fearful that there may be some kind of firearms incident here, or maybe not directly at the funeral itself, but in subsequent both celebrations of Jason Ennis' life and there's also that fear of public order offences uh, more so on you know mourners there that there may be you know driving incidents we've seen recently even for the Ledwich funeral where there was a display of scramblers driving around the area rallying around um, while not the high priority for Gardaí it certainly is unsettling for the local community to see and I think from a Garda perspective, they may have to turn a blind eye to a certain degree to that. You have obviously people who are highly emotional, trying to celebrate and mourn for their friend, their family member, their loved one. And there's a balance there of letting them mourn, but making sure it's respectfully done. So all those different things will have to be considered. And certainly it won't be like any normal funeral. It mightn't be to the extent of maybe these Hutchkinner funerals where you would have had you know, teams from the emergency response unit, uh, snipers, sniffer dogs, bomb sniffing dogs out. But certainly there will be a fairly large arm and uniform guard presence. And we saw that when it came to the Hutchkin and feud, and like you mentioned there, even attending a funeral can lead to deadly consequences for some. I'm thinking of the Noel Kerwin murder. Yeah, that was a particularly particularly gruesome one. Uh, Noel Duck at Kerwin, as he's known, would have been from the Northerner City and in later life moved out to Rowlandstown in Dublin. And in February 2016, he attended the funeral of Eddie Neddy Hutch, who was the older brother of Jared the Monk Hutch. And he was simply photographed after the funeral, leaving the ceremony and happened to, I don't think he was even in company with Jared Hutch. I think he was just walking beside him. Uh, he was photographed and at least seen by people there. And that seems to have been enough motivation for the Kinnan gang to carry out his murder. Often with these funerals, they can be very ostentatious. They, they're very much a sign or a show of solidarity for the gang themselves and what they have gone through losing a member of their gang. What, what's your opinion on that? Look, in, in one way, it's up to, you know, people to mourn how to see fit in a respectful way and that doesn't interfere with other people. In another way, it's not the best idea. I think the most high-profile example is that David Byrne funeral. He was obviously shot dead in the Regency Hotel and in Dublin City Centre, he had this massive display of wealth on show, this display of power by the kid and gang. It was 10, some people say 11 stretch limos. It was 10 stretch limos, two horses and three motorbikes, plus the three horse-drawn carriages and whatever went on. One newspaper this morning saying the drink spill in the Bell Guardian was 25,000 and was footed by one person. Forget about the personal mourning and the important personal mourning of the family members. But the other, the other end of it was, was a display of untrammeled wealth. And a lot of David Byrne's close associates would have worn these matching dark, dark navy suits and put themselves out there as essentially pinning their, their flags to the kin and mast. 
And a lot of them would have been known. You would have had like sort of Liam Byrne, Freddie Thompson, uh, Thomas Bomber Cavanaugh, who are all well known and established in organised crime circles. But then you would have had other people who mightn't have been on the guard radar necessarily. Um, one man in particular, Declan Brady, who became known as Mr. Nobody, he was at the funeral in his colours and certainly piqued the interests of Gardaí and would have been placed under surveillance and later convicted of serious crimes as a result. And I think. From that end of it, it's uh, can be very suppose, slippery slope for criminal gangs to pin your colours to the mast and openly display your allegiance to a crime gang. Not just because Gardy could be watching, and I've no doubt they will be watching the upcoming funerals, uh, if not to prevent any incidents, but also from intelligence gathering perspective. But also that there are fears that you know you could find yourself in the crosshairs of a criminal gang who blame you or at least blame your gang for the death of one of their members so those are two kind of different reasons the guard perspective and the opposing faction perspective why that could be a I suppose a slippery slope for some people and my thanks to Robin Schiller I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Ian Doyle researched by Keno Bryn with sound by Gavin Hennessy Archive clips from RTE News, Virgin Media News, Sky News Australia and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Schachten, an Indo Askeliga. Time in mon Europe the end of Schacht Erachor. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.